Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Excited to get through this series with you because I don't think I've ever been so clear or had a clearer picture in my heart and my mind about what the church is supposed to look like. And you know what? Jesus had a picture of that too. He, he knew exactly what he wanted the church that he was going to build to look like. In Matthew 16, 18, he took ownership of it. And he said, I will build my church. I'm going to build a church. And he said, the kind of church I'm going to build is the kind of church that hell can't even stand against it. That's the kind of church I want to go to. I don't know about you. That's, that's the kind of church I want to go to. And I don't mean that I want to be a part of it. I don't mean that it's a Sunday morning service that I want to go to. See, the church... It's not these four walls. It's not this roof. It has nothing to do with this building. The church is a people group. So you're supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and that is really important, that you have that personal relationship. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, which is a people group. He said, I'm going to build the way that they're going to love one another. I'm going to build the way that they shine together. I'm going to build my church, and hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to build it. That was his personal mission. Christianity involves all of us, all of us together. All of us together is the church. Jesus is coming back someday. And Jesus, I believe he's coming back for you and you and you and you. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for all of us. He's coming back for the church down the road. He's coming back for all of his people. And he wants us to build, he wants to build us together so that we are strong. And I want to be part of that church. But it doesn't happen by accident. You're not going to build something that the gates of hell will not prevail against just because you got a bunch of people gathered into a room. How many of y'all know that that's the truth? Because for some of you, some of you used to belong to another church. And you don't belong there no more. Hello? You say, Aaron, you're awful saucy today. Listen, y'all, I've had a couple weeks off. (laughs) If you think this is a lot, wait till I get back from my 60-day sabbatical. I'm going to be on you. I'm going to be ready. Ready to go. Anyway. (laughs) There's intentionality that's required. Some dreaming, dreaming and some planning. And when we planted our church 10 years ago, I had a church like that in mind. See, I grew up loving God. I grew up loving going to church. There was, there was, especially when I was younger, man, Sunday school was my thing. I loved getting all the gold stars for participation and bringing my friends and bringing my Bibles. I did sword drills. Anybody know what that is? You get your Bible and you stand up. You got it held right here and they give you a verse and you put your finger on it. You got it. I won those things. I memorized my Bible. I knew where stuff was. I was a, I was a, I was a gold star in, in, in Sunday school. I love church. As I got older, though, I didn't often love its people. Just, just being honest. I, I didn't often love its people. I, I thought God's people are always sullen and sad. And if they really love Jesus and they really knew that Jesus loved them, they need to tell their faces. Because they walk around and come to church. We're not going to beat the Baptists to the buffet today. I just spit a lot when I did that. Hoping the cameras didn't catch that. 
But to say that they weren't people of passion is wrong. They were definitely people of passion. They were just passionate about all the wrong things. They were passionate about how I dressed. They were passionate about whether or not you had tattoos or whether you wore makeup or whether you had a TV in your house. They were passionate about all these things. They were passionate about the rules. They were passionate so much so that when I was younger, I was in a young minister's club. And because I believed I could wear shorts and go to a movie theater both at the same time, I could still be a witness for Jesus. They kicked me out of the minister's club. Serious truth, this is my story, I'm not making it up. Happened. And I was confused why they would be so passionate about that. They're passionate about long church services. They're passionate about moves of the Spirit. And you know what? I'm passionate about a move of the Spirit, but daggone it, I am not about confining the move of the Spirit to these four walls in this one hour on a Sunday morning. If the Spirit of God dwells inside of me. That means he can break forth, and he can move any daggone time he wants to. That means you can get healed on a Monday afternoon in a grocery store just as much as you can receive healing at a church service on a Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I like you. I don't know who you are. Can't see because the lights, but there's somebody right there I like a lot. passionate about pushing people down and they're passionate about their prosperity gospel but they weren't passionate about their waitresses when they left the building wrong this passion misplaced is a dangerous thing guys it hurts people and so when I went out to plan a church I wanted it to be a passionate church but I wanted it to be a church that Jesus was proud of at the same time I wanted it to be a church that I dreamed about and so what I want to do for the next four weeks is share what I see in a church, and the church that I see. I think this is a pivotal time for us. We're coming up on 10 years, and I don't think that, that I've ever given a clearer picture of what God intends for his church to be and who we are going to be in the church that I see. And so I'm asking you, be here the next four weeks. It's important. Not only is it, you know, the next four weeks before I go on sabbatical, but I think this is an important series that I need you to be here for. There's some priorities that it's going to take. There's some intentionality that we've got to have in order to build a church, like Jesus talked about, that the gates of hell will not stand against it. The priorities that that we have and the things that I'm going to share over the next four weeks, they're not our own. They're found straight from Scripture, what God has intended for us. So if you're ready, here we go. I dream of a church where the people have a relationship with God instead of religion. And where living for God is a delight, not a duty, because he is what they're passionate about. That's a church I dream about. That, that's, that's a people group that I want to be part of. The beautiful thing is, is, is like, like, I feel like we've got that church. I feel like we've got a church where the people love coming here. I feel like we have a church where people look forward to getting here because it's a bright spot in their week. I told our team as we huddled this morning, I said, I'm getting ready to go on this sabbatical. I'm going to take this break. But let me tell you something. I need you to keep coming because the secret sauce of this church is not me. It's you. I need you to keep inviting people over the 60 days that I'm not here. I need you to. They need you to. The church that God wants to build needs you to. You are what's important and you are the bright spot in people's week and I really believe that we have a church that is like that regularly I hear people that are like man this has been like a breath of fresh air to us 
They've gotten to a place where I'm, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm talking to God, and I'm loving my relationship with him for the very first time, maybe in years or maybe ever. And I believe that we have a church that is passionate about God. We're loving and serving is not a duty, but it is a delight. We're a church that, man, you know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think we're a church that's glad. So I don't know about you, but I, I think there's quite a bit of you that, that you were sad when they said unto you, let us go to the house of the Lord. Unless Ryan's Steakhouse was on the end of it. You know what I'm saying? Anybody remember Ryan's Steakhouse? Yeah. We went there almost every Sunday after church. It was great. <laughs> Loved it. Maybe that's why I like church so much. I'm not sure. <laughs> well. <clears throat> so some of you don't, your experience is, is like, all right, I was mad. I, I, didn't, I didn't like to go to church, so how do I get there? And, it's, and, and really the way, the way we get, get there to a place where you're glad to be there is, is you develop a passion. You can develop a passion for something. And, and developing a passion, sometimes you're, you're born with that passion, uh, mo but most of the time a passion that you have for something is developed with intentionality. And so I want to talk to you today about, about having some passion for God. That's our topic. It means that God would be someone we love. Not that we just know stuff about, but he would be somebody that we know him intimately. We know him in a way that we deeply love him. But I think there's a generation that's coming, and it's already here, that is losing passion for God. Where all they're still showing up for church, but their outsides don't match their insides. They're still going through the motions outwardly, but inwardly they're shriveled up and dying. They're, they're lukewarm and maybe even backslidden at best. Jesus said that, that, that there would be a time for that. In Matthew 15, he said, there's, these people honor me with their lips, so they're saying I'm a Christian, but their hearts are far from me. He said, what's outside doesn't match what's inside. I don't have their heart. They, they don't love me. He said, they worship me in vain. That means they're showing up on a, on a Sunday morning. They got their hands lifted, and they're going through the motions. But he said, their teachings are merely human rules. In other words, it's just become monkey see, monkey do. We don't really know why we're doing this thing. It's just what we've always done. So there's no passion behind it. There, there's no love. People read their Bibles, they pray, they go to church, they give, they serve by force of rules, not because they have a great joy in doing it. But God never intended for Christianity to be boring. He never intended that. He, he intended for us to be like, man, is, is service really over? Like, is this, is this done? I can't wait to get back next week. That there would be a passion over it. I mean, I can't, I can't understand Christians today because we can apply passion to a lot of things in our lives. You know, we were watching the game at my house New Year's Eve. And there was people that don't even care about the Buckeyes that were excited in that room. And they were developing some passion, maybe because I was quite excited and yelling at the screen. I was having a good time by myself in the living room for a bit. But there was people that joined us and we got excited about the game. We had some passion. And we can get passionate about our favorite singers and rock concerts. And we can get passionate about a lot of things in our lives. But when we come to church, it's like,
Oh, this is this is supposed to be a somber place. This is this is a holy place, Aaron. And you know that means it has to be boring. No. Absolutely not. That is not how the Bible describes church. Paul wrote in Romans 12, he said, never be lacking in zeal. It means it's a choice, by the way. That word zeal, by the way, comes from the Greek word zealous, and it means white hot boiling over. You want something white hot and boiling over, you got to get a pot, you got to fill the pot, you got to turn on the fire, you got to put the pot on the fire, and then you got to watch it. Actually, you don't want to watch it because then a watch pot never boils, you know, but I'm just kidding. But you got to do all that stuff. There's some intentionality behind getting the white hot boiling, right? It's a choice. There's some steps, some stuff. He's never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And in Christianity, part of Jesus' church, he intended us to be filled with passion. I think that, that not only were we on a decline for passion, but I think the pandemic took a lot of passion away from us. We're still seeing that. This is across the country and the world. As people have just not returned back to church, y'all are here, and I love you, and I'm glad that you're here. But there are still a lot of people who used to attend this church that ain't going to church nowhere. And if you know me at all, you know that all I care about is that you go to a church. Be part of one. If it's not this one, that's okay. That doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm okay with that. But there's so many people, as a result of the pandemic, have lost their passion completely and have never come back. My hope today is to fan a little flame. I'm watching a lot of Survivor here lately. I don't know. Hey, this thing's been around for 21 years. I've never watched it. My wife and I have watched through 16 or 17 seasons in the last month and a half or so. Like, that's some zeal. And there I'm watching these people make fire. It's tough sometimes. Even if you've got the right tools, it's tough. I get it. But watching them get down there and just blow on them little embers. Trying to get it to catch flame. I'm just trying to blow a little bit today. Trying to see if we can get some passion to catch a flame in your lives. Because this thing requires passion. All that God has called us to do, Simple Church, in this city requires passion. We're going to need it. Jesus was filled with, with passion. But, you know, culture and art and... and uh, it, movies and even the church has painted Jesus as this sullen guy you know that that he's always doing this that he's always got an ish you know like he's just always quiet and and his his cheeks are sunken and and you know he's like bleached white Jesus he's never seen the sun you know what I'm saying like geez I didn't know Jesus was an albino out there in the Middle East like how did that even happen like you know but Jesus always looks so sad, doesn't he? But that, that, that could not be the Jesus of the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus had kids piled on him and the disciples had to pull them off of him. You know what kind of guy you got to be to have kids piled on you? It means you got to be silly and goofy in all the ways that I mean, like just, you know, just candy in your pockets. The kids just love to play with you, right? They love to be around you. Jesus was a fun guy. He was not sullen and somber. He wasn't a quiet fella. He was a guy that people loved to be with because he was passionate. He was passionate for people. 
And he was an inspiration to everyone around him. In fact, one story showed how that passion played out. And many people don't like this picture of Jesus, uh, but it is a possibility. You, uh, you don't need to understand that Jesus was filled with passion for God's house. And at one point in time, he walked into the temple and he saw the way that it was being abused. And it says this in Luke 2. It says in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves. Not the priests, merchants. Businessmen were in the temple. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Which, by the way, they were robbing people and, and giving them improper exchanges for their funds. And Jesus made a whip from some, some ropes and chased them all out of the temple, flipping tables, drove out the, the sheep and the cattle, and scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples who were watching the whole thing happen, whoo, they remembered a prophecy from Psalm 69 that said his passion for God's house would consume him. Jesus was passionate, and everyone knew it. I want to be a church that never loses our passion. Amen, everybody? I, I, I want to be a church that keeps it. And, and when you look through Scripture, there are four very specific areas that we, can, we will all be able to agree on that the Bible calls us to be passionate about. And each one... It's also interesting that the Bible speaks to these four most. It's also the most interesting that these four are the ones that we can easily lose passion in. So we have to be careful. The first one's a great example, and that's a passion for prayer. It's a passion for prayer. You know, when we think about prayer, we think about our heads bowed, eyes closed, our hands folded. I don't know why people feel like they need to fold their hands other than the, and put their hands together like this to pray. It's, it's one of the sweetest and most endearing things to see somebody pray for the very first time, and this is, this is how they do it. It's like, man, that's a beautiful thing to see, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to be by yourself to pray. You don't have to be in your bedroom to pray. You could just be out taking a walk. You could be sitting at your desk and pray. You can talk to God anywhere you want to talk to God, and you can talk to him about anything you want to. If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. You can talk to God about anything. The Bible doesn't describe prayer being this, this quiet experience with these unspoken requests. The Bible talks about, in Acts, it talks about voices that were lifted up together, so much so that the whole place shook. Y'all, I've only been in one place in my entire life, where I've experienced the, that the building shook because everybody's voice was lifted all at once. And that was in the shoe. With everybody yelling O-H-I-O. I'm sad to tell you it's not in a church service. We had no problem lifting our voices over some young people running across the field with a piece of leather. But we got every issue in the world lifting our voice to the one who bled and died for our sins. The Bible says that, that prayer would be this thing that we do together, that we lift our voices together. We have passion. Jesus said while clearing out the temple, he said, it's written. He said, then my house, notice he's taking ownership of it again. Might as well have just said my church there because his house, it contains his, it's for his people, his church. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. In fact, the Bible descri describes the kind of prayer 
that, that is impactful in our lives. And James 5, verse 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's a passion-filled prayer, guys. Simple church must be a place where we pray, where we pray a lot. Because there's a lot that God has called us to do. There's a lot that I haven't even shared with you yet that the city of Reynoldsburg, the mayor, is asking us to do. There is a lot. We have to become a people of prayer because it is the stuff that, that is before us to do is beyond us to do. I kind of like it that way because it means that Aaron didn't have anything to do with it and that God did everything to do it. Amen, everybody? I like it that way. I like the journey of faith. But we may have to be a people of prayer or we're never going to do it. People of passion-filled prayer. That's why the invitation is there to join us every day online at 7 a.m., Join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. in person. We need to be a church and make time for prayer. You say, I don't know how to pray. We've got these things called Pray First Guides. You can pick up at the Connect Center, come to prayer. You can pick them up there. You can download the Pray First app. It's even that easy. It's got everything you need on there. And it walks you through different models of prayer and how to pray. It even gives you some words to pray so that you can learn how to do it. We're not going to leave you destitute. We want you to know how to talk to God. In fact, if you just spend any time with us, you'll learn from praying with us how to pray. Amen? We just got to make it part of our culture. So we talk about it. We live it out here at Simple Church. Make prayer our first response, not our last resort. That's how we have passion about it. We make it our first response. I, I can't stand here, and I've, I've been guilty of saying it too. Well, all we can do now is pray. As if that's like the last thing. That should be the first thing. That's the most powerful thing we can do is pray, right? So let's be a people who pray. I remember a few years ago, well, it's more than a few years ago. It's more than a decade ago now. Shannon and I were trying to get pregnant, and, and we tried for a year, and we just couldn't do it. We were, at, we were attending a church at that time. We hadn't planted this one yet. And I just looked at her. I said, you know what we haven't done? We haven't asked anybody to pray with us yet. It was the end of service, and they had people in the prayer corners, you know, to go up and get prayer. And so I grabbed your hand. I said, well, I'm, I said we've been doing this for a year, and I'm, I'm fine with, with trying to make a baby, but also we'd like to have a baby, so let's go pray. And I grabbed her hand, and I stood up, and I walked this way. No sooner had I started moving that way and pulling her that way, but she pulled me back to my seat. I said, what's the deal? And she said, I've reconsidered. <laughs> She said, our kids are nine. We're halfway done. I'm thinking I don't want to start over. And I was like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Yeah. Oh, I was willing, but I was glad when they said unto me, no. Why didn't she want to get up? Because she knew prayer is powerful. Prayer is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. So today, if, you, if you've got something going on in your life, you need prayer for it, fill out the Connect card. There's a, you can request prayer. Stop by the Connect Center. Request prayer. To, to tell, tell anybody in this church, if you're standing there today and somebody's got something weighing on their hearts, and you can just say, let me pray for you right now. Some people are all like, hey, I'll be praying for you. You're in my thoughts and my prayers. Like, you know what? Keep your thoughts. You're not going to pray for me later. Pray for me now. I'm that guy. I'll be like, come on, let's pray for me now. I just need it. Come on, just pray for me now. And I'll, and I'll do it to you too, so be careful where you're telling me. 
Uh, we were in, I was in a gymnasium with a fellow one time, and he just, he was sharing his heart, and I said, come on, man, let's pray, and I just went like this, and I peeked up at him, and he was panicked. He was looking around like this. He did. I didn't care. I was praying, so just, just note, I'll pray for you anywhere, anytime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> be a church that's willing to pray right where you are. Let's be a different kind of church. Let's be a different kind of people. Amen, everybody? Let's be, let, let's be a church that is passionate about praying. Second area to be pray, passionate about is for praise and worship. You know, praise is bragging on God to one another. You ever heard somebody say, man, when you came in the office, like, dude, this guy's been singing your praises all day because you did great on this project or you did that? That's what praise is. We're, we're singing songs about God with one another about what God has done in our lives. Praise can also be us just telling one another what God has done. Well, I used to grow up, and we used to have testimony services. Anybody go to a church where you had testimony services? Those were three-hour-long services. My kids' ministry people will kill me if I am two minutes over on a Sunday morning. I don't think you need a testimony service to tell what God has done. I think that, that among the people, as you're spending time with them, you can tell them what God has done. But that's how we praise God together. We need passionate for praising God, but also for worshiping him. What is worship? Well, worship is to add worth to something. It's expressing love and adoration and gratitude towards our God. And that's not a, a person a person. That's just us in a full surrender telling God how much we love him. Almost like in a childlike posture of hands straight up. Because a child, when they want something, they throw their hands up. They want mom or dad to pick them up because they need a hug or because they're hurt or because they're struggling with something. Or maybe they just want to be comforted and they want to be with someone. They throw their hands up. It's a sign of trust. Pick me up. Hold me. Help me. Lead me. Guide me. Protect me. And these are all the things that God does for us. And so when we worship, we express our gratitude to him for who he is. We worship his name. It's a beautiful thing. Sadly, praise and worship seems to be optional to a lot of Christians. They'll be present, but they they don't want to stand. Listen, if you've got a medical condition, I'm not talking to you, okay? There is no, 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 no issue. If you've got a medical condition and the reason you can't stand... Please understand, I mean no disrespect. But for those of us that can't, we'll, we'll stand, so, and some of us won't. Some of us, we sit in church service, we got our arms crossed as tight as we can get them. Maybe wave a pinky around every now and then. <laughs> we won't sing. We won't allow our hearts to be involved in, our, in the worship. What does God mean to you? You know, I know we have words to sing, and we make it as easy as possible by giving you the words to sing. But it's not the band's responsibility to get you all pumped up. It's your responsibility to come in ready to worship God, ready to praise him because of what he's done in your life. You know, there's plenty of places. They do instrumental parts in there where they're just playing. You know what? I'm sitting there just going, I'm talking to God about me and him and about what my week's been like. I don't need anybody to give me words. Say, well, you're just the pastor, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. He ain't done nothing for you this week.
I would say a lot of that, that, that in my opinion, sometimes the, the people that are refusing to worship is the word more about their ego and their image than, and they're worried about the people around them than they are worshiping God. And, and the way God wants to be worshipped is, is through this, this, this passion. It talks about raising hands, clapping hands, singing, shouting, kneeling, all these things. There's physical expressions of worship. And that's the way he wants to be loved. That's the way he wants us to express that worship. You say, well, I don't like doing those things. It's not about you. I'm sorry, it's not. It's about God and how he wants to be loved. And he gave us 150 chapters in the book of Psalms that, that talk about lifting our voices, clapping, playing instruments, doing all these things. We have to refuse to accept solemn and passionless worship. We have to. We have to. Jesus said in Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You know, I love music so much. I, I tried to be a musician for years and just couldn't pick it up. But it was when I decided, I, Lord, I want to play worship music, that all of a sudden he gave me this gift, and I just picked it up, and it was like that. It was so easy. I was talking to somebody this week. They said, we should get together and play sometime. I was all I play is worship music. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not even that great, but okay. I mean, if you, I, I, that's all I do. And I, and I thank God because I can grab my guitar, I have another expression of worship to him because everything inside me wants to tell him how much I love him because of the way he loves me. I cannot even meet the way that he loves me. I can't. I can't love him as much as he's loved me. I can't exceed the way he's loved me. But everything inside of me has a passion and a desire to worship my God. And I love that I can grab my guitar and sing. My fam, four out of five of my family members were sitting in the living room the other night just worshiping together. It wasn't even intentional. We just grabbed it, started playing, and started singing. David said, praise the Lord, O my soul. <coughs> All my inmost being, praise his holy name. He's calling us to give our all. To go all in, to be passionate about prayer, to be passionate about praise and worship. And, you know, I'm not trying to be after wild and crazy services. I'm not trying to tell you that's what, what I'm looking for here. I'm looking for you to be passionate, passion-filled, be ready to worship. You know, I, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, David at one point in time expressed so much passion you ever been to a wedding before? If you've been to a wedding, it's all very beautiful. It's all very ornate, and everybody looks really nice, and everybody's in tuxedos and suits, and, and she's looking just so, and she's got her veil and her pretty shoes, and they're all very expensive, and everybody's very careful with it up until the ceremony. But when the reception hits, the celebration begins, and all formality seems to go out the window as we party down. The ties come off. The suits disappear. I've seen shoes and socks disappear at a wedding. And they're just dancing around, having a good time. I've seen people get, get just be like, listen, this get up. This monkey suit is holding me back from celebrating. And I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. <laughs> Something like that on a Sunday morning would be okay. Keep your clothes on, please. All right? Let's just be a people of passion. I cannot wait to get to the celebration. And Sunday mornings are our time to celebrate. Amen, everybody? 
let's, let's, be, let's celebrate. David did that once, and he got in a lot of trouble. There's, let me throw those verses up on the screen here. This is from Samuel uh, chapter 6, verse 20. It's a great story, and I don't have time to share it, so we're just going to move on. Uh, but Dave, but David, David danced in an undignified way, and, uh, and his wife was not happy about it. He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's good. It's beautiful. If you want to write it down, you can look it up later. It's a good story. But we need to give God what he deserves, not what we feel. Amen, everybody. And I've got two points left, and, and I'm going to have to go through them quick. Let's be passionate for prayer. Let's be passionate for, for praise and worship. And then let's be passionate for purity. Let's have a passion for purity. This is an important one, especially in a day and age when culture is leading us to do everything their way. They want us to reflect them. And if we don't do things their way, uh, the, the, we, I don't know what they're going to do, but there's this cancel culture out there that if we don't look like them, if we don't talk like them, if we don't agree with and affirm what they want us to agree with and affirm, then we're on the outs. Then, then, then because of our faith and because of what we believe and because we are passionate for purity, we get canceled. And I'm here to tell you that's okay. That's, that's nothing. Jesus said, don't worry about what people can do to the body or your reputation. He said, worry about who's got some command over your eternal stuff. Don't stress. The Bible says to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That's not always about getting it right, and it's not about perfectionism. I'm telling you that Christianity is about progress. The Bible calls it sanctification. It means that you will always be growing and ever transforming your life. That's amen to that. I'm not telling you that it's okay to continue in your sin. What I'm telling you is that when God puts his finger on something in your life and you begin to read where God's word is contrary to your feelings and what you want in life, you need to choose him over those feelings because your feelings are fickle and fleeting. They will change, but God's word is truth. It will never change. It will never change. You have a sinful nature that is within you and the spiritual nature that are opposed to one another. There's always going to be a war within you, but you have a choice, and God will not leave you destitute in all of that. He'll not let you be tempted above what you're able to bear with that temptation. Corinthians 10, 13 tells us he will provide a means of escape. God is faithful that way. You say, well, Aaron, how do I, how do I get on a path of purity myself? If I don't know what I don't know. I've got blind spots in my life. Yep, I get it. Do what David did. David said this in Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. He's like, come on in. Check it out. Search me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's like, God, if there's something in me, show it to me. And David, like Paul, talked about crucifying his flesh. Talked about surrendering that thing. Being aggressive. There's two stories in here in the Bible that I want to give you. One of a guy named Phineas. Uh, not Phineas and Ferb, not that guy, but a different guy named Phineas. He was a priest. <laughs> and, and, and I wanted to tell you this story about him, but, but Phineas was honored because of the way he responded to God's call for purity. He was passionate about it. And, and, there, and there was a king, Jehu, who did the same thing was passionate about it. These are two brilliant, beautiful stories. But I wanted, the, the point I wanted to draw from each of them is that each of them was rewarded for their passion because each of them put to death, literally, those that were leading people away from God's covenant. 
They literally did that. Now, I'm not calling for us to kill anyone. By the way, someone else's purity is none of your business. I'm calling you to be passionate about your own purity. I'm calling you that when God puts his finger on something in your life and says, hey, this is a problem, which, by the way, he'll always do gently. He'll never shame you. If you're experiencing shame, refuse that mess. Jesus won't shame you. But when he puts his finger on something in your life, be willing to kill that thing. You need to delete an app. You need to delete a phone number. You need to cut out somebody in your life. If it's your spouse, you're stuck with them. That's not the person I'm talking about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, well, Pastor Aaron said, no, no, no. But you all know what I'm talking about. That person that keeps opening that door that keeps leading you back to that thing that you just can't stand about in your life. And God said, hey, hey, this is destroying you. Hey, this is breaking up your marriage. Hey, this is driving a wedge further between you and your kids. Hey, it's that thing he's been trying to get your attention about and when he calls you to account for it, be willing to surrender it and crucify it to a cross. It's the only way you can deal with your flesh, guys, is to crucify it to a cross. And there are these characters in the Bible were rewarded for their zeal and their passion for purity. And I promise you that God will reward you as well. The world wants you to think that there's rewards and that there's benefits to going with how you feel. Sin's fun for a season, y'all. Sure is. But God's reward comes with us honoring him. And if you want God's blessing and you want God's reward, find ways to honor him. Open the doors to your heart. Search me. Know me. And today and in this world, let's be a voice and not an echo. Let's not reflect the culture. Let's set the culture. Amen, everybody? Let's be thermostats, not thermometers. Thermostats set the atmosphere of the room. Thermometers just reflect it. We don't need to look like the world. We need to look like who Jesus calls us to be. So let's be passionate about prayer, praise and worship and purity. And lastly, let's have a passion for people. This is the tough one, and this is the one that I walked away from God on years ago. Love you, God. Can't stand your people. I'm out. Because I know you're all about your people. This is the tough one. Because people are imperfect, and people make up the church. I know people that they talk about, well, there's just a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Come on, we need one more. None of us is perfect. Even the guy talking to you, I'm not. Ask my wife. Don't ask my wife. <laughs> Revoke that permission. I'm not. I'm not. I got issues. And you've got them too. And everybody outside of here has got them. What we're called to do is not judge people by their issues. We're called to love them. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He did something reckless. I wouldn't give any of my kids for any of you, not on their worst day. But God said, here's my son. He'll pay the price for you. He so loved the world. And I'm telling you, anything that God is about, we need to be about. And this is the biggest one. People are the only thing that make it into eternity, y'all. It ain't this building. It ain't going to be your money. It's not going to be your achievements and your education or your toys. It all burns. People are eternal. And God's focus is on people. 
He's thankful that you're here, but his eyes are looking for the lost. It's time to upend this story that God is mad at all of us. He is not. I think Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, did us all a great disservice by preaching a message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Couldn't be furthest from the truth. Because while I was sinning, he died for me. And he died for you. He loves you that much. And he loves people, and we need to be all about people. That means that this church has to grow. We can't be okay with the seats that are empty here because, listen, words of people called to the city, and there are 40,000 people in this city alone. I don't see 40,000 people here, let alone in all the churches in our city. That means, simple church, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. And it's going to take all of us accepting a responsibility to have passion for people, to begin doing the work, walking through whatever forgiveness we've got to do of some church leaders or of some people that went to a church, somebody that hurt you, because it was not a church that hurt you, it was a person at that church that hurt you. So name it, deal with it, walk through the forgiveness and begin to let God transform your heart again so you can have a passion for people. Paul said this about his life. He said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And what a life that is, my friends, to live a life leveraging all that you have, your time, your talent, and your treasure, to love and serve others, to love them the way God loves them. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. Remember this, a life not lived for others is not a life at all. It's just not. People that sleep the best at night are the ones that are serving others and making a difference in other people's lives. And you can be a part of that too. That's the kind of church this is. We are passionate for God, passionate for prayer and talking to Him. We're passionate for prayer and praise and worship, passionate about purity, and we're passionate for people. That's the church I see, and that's the church that I want. And if you want to be a part of that, you can be a part of that too. Some of you are here today, and you're like, Aaron, my passion's completely dwindled. And that's okay. Jesus, the last thing he says, one of the last things he says in Revelation, he says, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, you've let your flame die out. He said, consider how far you've fallen. Just consider the journey. Consider what your life used to look like when you were walking passionately with him. And watch what he says. He didn't go, you sinners. You're going to burn in the lake of fire in hell forever. That's not what he does. He offers a simple and beautiful response. That in its simplicity is certainly not easy. He says, repent, turn around, go back to the things. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Join a group, get on a team, show up on Sunday mornings. Get in relationship with people, read your Bible, begin talking to God again. The things you did at first, it's simple in saying it. And it will not be easy to 
change all the habits. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. We're all gonna do this together so we can encourage one another. Some of you are here today and you're like, I need that passion back. So we're gonna pray right now, right here. Bow your heads, let's close our eyes as if that's even necessary to talk to God. But right now, if you're somebody that you'd say, Aaron, I, I was passionate at one point in time and I need to repent. I know that repent word is, has such weight to it. You feel like there might be some shame to it. There is no shame to that. The Bible says that heaven has a party when one person repents. So today, be the reason that heaven is celebrating. Repent, turn around, tell somebody, man, I, I, I messed up, I've lost my passion. I'm gonna pick this up. Would you hold me accountable? Would you help me make a plan? Would you help me stick to it? I'm gonna honor God. I'm gonna be passionate for prayer, passionate Prayer, praise and worship. I'm going to be passionate about purity. I'm going to cut some things out of my life. I'm going to let God deal with me. I'm going to be passionate for people. If you're here today and that's you, and you say, I'm a Christian and I have been for a long time and that passion has died out, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. I need this today. Yeah, that's me. That's, yeah, yeah. Proud of you. Be bold. Yeah. All across the room. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Then there are there's, oh, those of you here today, you've never had a relationship with God, but you want this kind of passionate relationship with him. If that's you, won't you slip your hand up too? You can get counted in on this too. Yeah, amen, amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. All of us, we're gonna pray right now. Everybody praying together, say, Jesus, I need you. Put a passion inside of me for the things of God. Forgive me of my sins. Today I repent and I turn to you. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with people that are turning their lives back to God? Come on, seriously, like you mean it. Like you've never, ever been happier about anything before. Like you were just shouting because the Buckeyes just scored the winning touchdown. There it is. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Take the steps. Fill out a connect card. Get baptized. That's you today. I told you. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. Go get baptized. I got one minute left. But I'm going to tell you about, you can give today. There's digital ways to give. You can give in the, in the give box in the back of the room. Offering envelopes are provided for you. We're going to wrap this service up real quick with this. Baptisms are immediately following service today. Go get your kids out of kids' ministry because they need to see it too. Let's normalize what God is doing in people's lives for our children too. Amen, everybody? If you want to get baptized and haven't been, you didn't sign up, go immediately after service is over to the baptism tank in the foyer. The rest of you, I'm going to pray and dismiss us, and we're going to go out and watch some people get baptized and celebrate, and we're going to come back next Sunday as we continue this series, right? All right. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the beginning of this year. The freedom that we have to gather together, my prayer is that you would bless them as they go. Lord, fill them with passion in each step, God, that they take towards you. I celebrate because your word says when we take a step towards you, you take a step towards us. And your steps in my mind are way bigger than the steps we can take towards you. <coughs> so, Lord, draw close to us. Fill us with a passion for you as we begin this year. Be with us through this 21 days. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said a good, heartfelt.
God bless you guys. Let's get out there and celebrate with some people as they get baptized. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again and we'll see you at next week's episode.